discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. We honor you, Lord, for this opportunity to hear your word. Thank you for your mighty Holy Spirit who is here with us, teaching us your word. Thank you that your word proceeds with power, with strength, with wisdom, with grace. We receive your word with meekness, with gladness, and with joy to your glory. Even in Jesus' name, amen. You may kindly take your seats in heavenly places where you belong. Hallelujah. Wow. So I want to share with you, continue sharing with you um, on the subject I've been sharing. What subject have I been sharing with you on? Supernatural accomplishments through our union with Christ, isn't it? Ask your neighbor, do you know the topic? Ask him, what's the topic? And get a, get a reply. Supernatural accomplishments toward our union with Christ. Hallelujah. Our union with Christ. And I've shared so many things already. I know that I will never fail in anything I touch because I know that I am one with Christ. That is what puts me over. So I'm not sharing something that is... Uh, it's a kick or it's not useful. This is what has helped me for many, many years. I got to know what I'm sharing with you many years ago. Okay? When I didn't have anything. You think you are poor. Maybe you don't know what, where I'm coming from, so you don't know. Maybe the level of my poverty then is higher than what you, what you have known. Yeah. This knowledge is what has prospered me. This knowledge is what has made me something in life. I feel I am something in life. I am confident. I don't, I'm not afraid of anybody. Whoever I meet, if I meet a president, if I meet whatever, I can flow without fidgeting. I can talk. I didn't get that confidence from school. I got that confidence from God and his word. And my consciousness of the fact that I am linked to the eternal one. What is president? I remember I met one of the presidents of this country some years ago. And everybody was, you know, behaving a certain way. But I was very cool. And you were surprised I was very cool. I want to mention his name, but he was surprised that, like, everybody was, you know, trying to... I think you were there. Yeah, he was also there. Pastor came were there. We're all, we're all just... He was, he was wondering why we are not taking pictures with him. Why are you not taking pictures with me? I don't need to take a picture with you. I've been taking pictures with the Lord. 
He is inside me. I don't need. It's not your picture that will do anything for me. It's not your picture in my office that will make me feel like I am something. I am something because I am in Christ. I am one with Him. The Creator of the heavens and the earth is in me, and I am in Him. I have everything. I don't need somebody to feel accepted. There are some people who are always looking for acceptance. If only you can flow with these kind of people, then you will know that you have, you have arrived. You know wannabe. Ask your neighbor, do you know who a wannabe is? A wannabe is someone who wants to be. And he's not being, or she's not being. And sometimes you hear that, oh, this is what is trending. So you want to trend. Eh? I was told that bone, bone straight is a trending hair. So it's like if you don't wear bone straight, you are not, you have not made it. You are not yet flowing with what is happening. How can you live your life in contentment, knowing that you are secured? You don't need uh, fashion, and you don't need all of those things to define you and identify you. It is in your knowledge of who you are and where you come from. Have you seen a rich man's son struggling before? Those who, those who are very rich, they don't show it to. Do you know nouveau rich? Nouveau rich means new rich. You just became rich. It is those who just became rich who keep parading cars and all of those things. Real rich people's children, they don't, you don't really see much. They have everything. It's not a problem. I don't know if you get it. They don't need a car to identify with to be able to show that they are something. But what I'm teaching you helps you settle in your in life to let you know that you are not your identity is not based on what you wear. It's not based on where you go to or who your friends are. Your identity is based on Christ. You, your identity is not based on which lady you go out with. Do you see? Uh -huh. There are some boys who are looking for rich girls to marry. So that they will also hammer. And there are some, there are some ladies who are also looking for rich guys to also fellowship with. Hallelujah. So that they will be accepted. You don't need any of those things. Your identity is not in certain associations you have. Or whatever. Your identity is in Christ. Knowing that you are linked with him. So Jesus was not afraid of anybody. When he met Herod, he was not afraid of Herod. When Pilate said that, listen, don't you know that I have power to take your life and power to give you back your life? Jesus said, my friend, stop talking like that. Stop talking like a fool. You don't have power at all. Unless the power that has been given to you. My friend, continue and let's move on. Yeah. You understand? So as a young person, or as a human being, your, your, where you identify, what you identify with makes all the difference. Hmm? Yes. There are people who are fooling around all over the place. Because a friend is fooling around. That is what is trending. So, if you don't do that, you are not accepted. Do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. Some people are into drugs. It's like if you don't do certain drugs... You are not accepted if you don't smoke the weed. Ke oshele we Alea ke oyegai. 
Do you understand the guy I just told you? If you don't smoke the weed, it's like you are not a guy. So you need to smoke the weed some and put it on your snap. Or you need to, you need to uh, smoke shisha. I saw some young lady. I went, we went, I went to a restaurant with my wife about a month or so ago. And I saw some young ladies, beautiful young ladies, small girls, like 20, 21, 22. You know, and they were smoking shisha. I don't know if you saw them. Yeah. They were smoking shisha. Like, they are, like they, are, they are on top of the world. They are frying, they are roasting their lands. They don't know. It's like identify, that's trying to locate who they are. There's, a, there's an identity crisis in the world now. Everybody wants to find themselves. You know, but there is no self outside of Christ. Oh, you don't know. There is no self outside of Jesus. There is no self outside the one who created you. You can only find yourself in the Lord, not outside the Lord. So your identity is in your creator. He's God. And he says that I am one with you and you are one with me. I am in you and you are in me. You don't need any of those things to satisfy you. I am the one who satisfies. That's why when you find, when you really find Jesus, eh, you become satisfied in life. The sex does not, does not replace him. Sex will not, sex can never replace God. Ask all those who are having sex all over the place whether they are satisfied. You can have sex with 10 men. Oh, Mali. No satisfaction. The weed, the cocaine, the heroin, the smoking, the, the what? iPhones, no matter how many iPhones you change, it, that is not what is going to define your life. You are into branding. You have Louis Vuitton cap, Louis Vuitton shirts, Louis Vuitton trousers, Louis Vuitton boxer shorts, Louis Vuitton shoe, Louis Vuitton. It's like Louis Vuitton. You even change your name to something Vuitton. Fabna Vuitton. So that we know that like you are something. Ask your neighbor, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Your identity is not in any of those things. Your identity is in Christ. Hallelujah. Wow. So I'm saying what I'm saying to let you know that what I'm sharing with you is not outside of... It's like... you. Um, what, what, what you're sharing is not important. It is very important for you. Okay? For instance, I shared concerning how that we are one with him... Because he is the head and we are the body. If you know that Jesus Christ is your head, what it means is that you have guidance. Where is your sense of sight? Where is your sense of hearing? Your sense of smell? Your sense of taste? Your sense of touch? It's in your head and in your body. Your body has only one sense. Jesus is the head and you are the body, isn't it? Now, if you understand that Jesus is the head and you are the body, you will know that you don't lack direction in life. Okay? You can count on him for direction, for leadership. For him to show you what to do with your life. You will never be confused. Okay? And you will know that the decisions you are making, the decisions you are making are decisions that are inspired by him. You will learn to depend on him. For instance, you didn't just, your body didn't just get here. Your body got here into church because your head decided that you should get here. That's why you're here. So if Jesus is your head, then it means that you won't lack wisdom. You won't lack direction. You'll be led where you're supposed to be led to. You'll be led to marry the right person. 
You'll be led to meet the right people. Hallelujah. And that faith will guide you in life. Okay? Yeah. Because I know I'm one with him. I know that everything I touch will work. Because Jesus never touched anything for you to fail. My academics will work. Because I have his mind. Because I have his mind. Whatever I study, when I read, it gets stuck. Some people ask me, oh, how come you, you remember scriptures? I know that I am one with him. I have his mind. Therefore, whatever I read, I retain. Wow. So these things are practical. It's not, I'm not, we are not sharing absurd things with you. Or archaic things with you. No, the word of God is current. It is the most current thing. You, it is more current than tomorrow's newspaper. The word of God is more current than tomorrow's newspaper, I tell you. It tells you about your future. It tells you what you are made for and where you are going and what to expect for your life. It is your life's manual. And if you will read it, you'll be surprised at what it will do for you. If you will listen to the message we are teaching you, you realize that your life is going in a certain way. Your understanding is different. Your results are different. For instance, I've been sharing concerning um, how one we are with him in his death. Jesus' death. Okay? And he died unto sin. Because he died unto sin. You too, you are dead unto sin. Say me too, I'm dead unto sin. You see, the head cannot die to sin and the body be alive to sin. It's not possible. Because I'm one with him, his death is my death. And I shared with you on identification and substitution and all of those things. His death is your death. So you are dead to sin. See, I'm dead to sin. And I'm alive to God. Have you seen anything that is dead before? If your cat dies and you try to give it food, will it respond? Sin is like the food. You are like the cat. You are dead to the food. You can't respond to the food. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. So it means that right now, you are only alive to God. What God says is what moves you, not sin. And I showed you how that your, even your flesh, the sin in flesh, sin in the flesh has been taken away. So there's nothing like, oh, susun pehunami emerald. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. There's nothing like that now. Now that you're born again, that is cancelled. You can live for God. You can live the righteousness of God. You are free to serve the Lord. You are free. See, I'm free. Yeah, so some people feel like, oh, Charlie, we can't, there's not, we, we, we can't stay away from some things. I have some addictions. I can't stay away from it. Addictions? The Lord took care of those addictions long ago in his death. So that addiction, you see, addiction is something that um, we have bad addictions and good addictions, right? Sometimes we call it habits. Uh-huh, habits. But normally when we say addictions, it's related to the bad ones. Let's say you have an addiction of smoking and you can't, you know, it's like, even though you are born again, you are smoking. Your nose is like a chimney. It's really Worrying you. How do you stop? You don't stop by saying, I'm stopping now. You are lying, you smoke again. That's not how you stop. How do you stop? You stop by depending on the one who is inside you. Depending on Christ. Learning to know that Jesus sorted this thing out in his death. Reminding yourself continuously that his death is my death. I died to sin once. Because Christ died to sin once. Therefore, this addiction has left my life. Sin in my flesh is not even there anymore. Reminding yourself of that fact is what will put you over. Yeah, maybe you are addicted to sex, addicted to porn, addicted to masturbation, 
addicted to lying. You know, they are addicted liars. They lie through their teeth. Pathological lies. They lie before men of God. They lie before MPs. They lie before everyone. Everybody, they will just lie right now. You know, they are born again. It's because they've not yet understood exactly what has happened to them. They've not put it to the account. What Jesus did has not been put to the account yet. So he says, likewise, reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. But what? Alive to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I'm sharing these things with you to help you in your, in your mindset, in, your, in the way you think, in the way you behave. Okay? Praise the Lord. And what sin breaks your confidence? Is it true? Because of something you did, you, don't, you feel like God will not hear you again. Is it true? So you can't talk to God like with a certain, a certain kind of confidence. When you pray, Father, I pray for this. <laughs> I don't even know if this thing, if this thing will happen. Or look at how I'm behaving. Look at, you know. Sin breaks your confidence. Sin brings you guilt. Brings you condemnation. Sin reduces you. You feel unworthy. That is why people sing certain songs in church and pray certain prayers in church. Thou knowest that we are unworthy. Meanwhile, he has made you worthy. God has made you worthy. God says you can come to him at any time. He says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. So, what I'm sharing with you is very important. I'm just trying to bring your mind to what is going on so that you don't think that we are just talking. What they're sharing is for you. There's no business I'll start that will fail. It will never fail. Because first of all, I'll depend on my head to give me information concerning what business to do. That's the first thing I'll do. I'll depend on the law to let me know what to touch. It's not everything that you touch that will work. Maybe God doesn't want you to go along that line. So you have to find out, is this what you want me to do? When you find out if this is what you want me to do, you depend on him. Knowing that as you are touching that thing, that you are touching that business, he's the one who is touching it. As you are going to work, he's the one who is going to work. Wow. So this morning, I want to share some. I want to go a little bit further. Okay? Hallelujah. So if you understand that you, you are accepted before God and that you are dead to sin, you can be confident towards God once again. And you can be confident in life. Okay? You can be confident in life. Let me show you some more. So, this morning, I want to show you our union with supernatural accomplishments through our union with Christ in his resurrection. Okay? In his what? Resurrection. I've been showing you concerning his death. Now, I want to show you concerning his resurrection. Say resurrection. You know, Jesus rose from the dead on the second day, right? In Matthew chapter 27, from verse 50, the Bible shows us the resurrection of Christ. Okay? What happened when he died? When he died, the Bible says that the ground shook. Let's look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, or he died. This old English. So he says he yielded up the ghost. What it means is that he died. Next verse. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent into, in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake. There was an earthquake when he died. And the rocks rent. The rocks broke into pieces. The, so the centurion who, was, who supervised the crucifixion of the Lord, when he saw all the things that was happening, he said that, hey, truly, this was the Son of God. Because the heavens became dark from 12 to 3. Everywhere was dark. 
12, when the sun is hot, the sun lost its heat. The whole place became dark like 8 p.m. All the way to 3 p.m. And when he died, everything cleared. The rocks were parted into pieces. The place shook. And the Bible says, graves, all the cemeteries around had their graves opening. What happened when your grandfather died? Did the graves open? No grave open. Every grave was intact. Is it not true? (laughs) But when Jesus died, all the graves in Jerusalem opened. Yeah. And many bodies of the saints which slept or which were dead arose. All those who were righteous and had lived righteously in life rose again from the dead. Yeah. First of all, when he died, the graves opened. And when he came out of the dead, they came out of the dead with him. So that's the next verse. Next verse, verse 53. And they came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. So you'll be there farming and then you see Abraham show up and say that, ah, the Lord is risen. We are all risen with him. This was what happened in Israel. It's no joke. It's not a, if it was a joke, they would not have written it. People wrote Jacob, Joseph, all these people, Moses, everybody rose from the dead. And showed themselves to people when Jesus rose from the dead. Yet Israel does not believe. This is a very serious thing. Next verse. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done. They feared greatly saying truly this was the son of God. So he confirmed that Jesus like actually this one day. I've never seen that before. Since I was born. I've never seen anybody die with such spectacle before. And he knew that this is the son of God. Now, go to chapter 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. So they came to come and check. And behold, there was a great earthquake. So his resurrection to what came with an earthquake. There was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. What a sight. An angel descended from heaven like that. And came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Wow. Next verse. His countenance was like lightning. His face was like lightning. And his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake. All those, you know, they put soldiers to secure the, the, the tomb. And they, they were witnesses of all that was happening. They saw the angel coming down, coming to roll the stone away. And sitting on it, and they were looking at him, and they were shaking. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. They became as dead men. They, they fell and they were just looking like this. They were shocked. Wow. Next verse. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not. Fear not ye, for I know that you see Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. See, he is risen. Say it like you mean it. He is risen. As he said. He said he was going to rise and he rose from the dead. Nobody has spoken about his death with such certainty and said spoken about his resurrection with such certainty. He said I'm going to die and after three days I'll rise from the dead and I'll not die anymore. And that's exactly what happened. See the place where the Lord lay. He's he's not here. He's risen as he said. Come see the place where where the Lord lay. So they showed them he's not there. Now when Jesus rose from the dead he didn't rise from the dead alone. Remember, we were united with him in his death. Do you remember? When he died, we died with him. Humanity died with him. 
when he rose from the dead, when he went to hell, we went to hell with him. So I was telling you last week that you don't need to go to hell. All you need to do is to believe in Jesus Christ. If you believe, you believe in Jesus Christ, you are not going to hell because you've been to hell already in him. And I showed you the doctrine of identification, how we became identified with him, if you remember. Do you remember? If you don't remember, the messages are there. You can get them, okay? So when he rose from the dead, we rose from the dead with him. So as he was coming out of the grave, we were in him as he was coming out of the grave. If you believe that Adam, what Adam did affected all of humanity, even though you never met Adam, sometimes we attribute our wrongs to Adam. When you lie or something happens, you're like, ah, Adam, Nana. Adam's grandchild. I am Adam's grandchild. Look at me. Look at my life. I cannot help myself. Am I lying? You never met Adam. Did you meet Adam? Who met Adam yesterday? <laughs> Nobody. You never met Adam. But you believe that what happened to Adam happened to you. If you are born again, believe the other one. What happened to Jesus is what happened to you. Instead of believing what happened to Adam, believe in what happened to Jesus. What Jesus did is attributed to you. It's accounted as your work. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So when Jesus rose from the dead, say when Jesus rose from the dead, I rose from the dead with him. Say it like you mean it. When Jesus rose from the dead, I rose from the dead. So the Bible shows to us, Ephesians chapter 2, let's read from verse 1. There are so many scriptures I'm going to show, show you along this line, okay? And show you the benefits of his resurrection. What does his resurrection mean for us? Okay? What does his resurrection what mean for us? Can you read this one to me? Can you read this to me? Read it to me. One, two, go. Let's read the amplified of this. Amplified. You don't understand quicken, so let's read it in the amplified. So you understand it. Okay? One, two, go. you. Who is you? Who is the you he's talking about? You see, don't read the Bible with your grandmother in mind. Or don't read the Bible with your friend in mind. Don't read the Bible with someone else in mind. Read the Bible with you in mind. He's talking to you. The New Testament is written to you. Say the New Testament is written to me. It has my name in there. Yeah, so this is a letter to you from God. What's your name? Emmanuel. So we can read this, read this this way. And you, Emmanuel, he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins. He made you alive. He brought you back to life when you were dead through your trespasses and your sins. Are you seeing it? Now, jump to verse 4. Jump to verse 4. Let's, we can read it in the Amplified. It says, but God, so rich is he in his mercy because and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved you. Because he wanted to satisfy his intense love that he had for you. Next verse. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. Have you seen it? He made us alive in what? Together in fellowship and in union with Christ. So when Jesus came from the dead, he also came from the dead. Why? Because he was you. And you were him. He identified with you. 
He became your substitute. So his resurrection was your resurrection. Look at the next verse. Can you read this one to me? One to go. In the heavenly sphere, by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. Have you seen it? Learn to celebrate God's word, okay? Tell me, but learn to celebrate God's word. That's how it works in your life. Yeah. If you receive the word of God like this. Amen. It's like you are not interested. Let me show you how to receive the word. Keep your finger here. Go to Acts 17, 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. So this is a city, another city called Berea. Who came in that went into the synagogue of the Jews? Next verse. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Let's read the Amplified of this so you understand it more. Okay? Are you in the church? Now these were better disposed and more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? For they were entirely ready and accepted and welcomed the message concerning the attainment through Christ of eternal salvation in the kingdom of God with inclination of mind and eagerness. Do you understand eagerness? What does it mean to be eager? With excitement, with joy, they receive the word of God with what? Inclination of eagerness. So you don't receive the word of God like this. Actually, listen, you go off a little. Then you come back. Then you go off. Then you come back. Then you go off. Then you, if you are watching a movie, will you do that? If you are watching a series that the episode has not come for a long time, waited for two weeks and the episode has come. Will you, will you receive, the, will you receive that, the movie like that? What will you do? You want to enter the laptop. Is it true? So don't behave like you don't know what I'm talking about. Tell anybody you know exactly what he's talking about. Show some interest in what we are saying. If it is nice for you, shout. There was a day Jesus was preaching. It is in the scriptures. There was a day Jesus was preaching. As he was preaching, a lady stood up and said, Ah, blessed are the womb that gave birth to you and the breast that fed you. Like she was so excited about what Jesus was saying was that he said, Ah, the one who gave birth to you, she has that up in the service. So there's nothing wrong. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Another day Jesus was preaching, and then someone stood up and said, Jesus, your mother and your people are waiting for you outside. They say you should finish the meeting and come outside. They could talk. So you don't receive the word of God quietly. When you do that, you don't get what God wants you to get. You must receive the word of God in faith. And with eagerness. The more eager you are, the more you bring more out. It's, it's not the preacher. It's not about the preacher. It's about the one listening. If the one listening is interested, God will give him more. If mine, I have plenty of things I've written. I have not even shared one out of ten of what I've written to you. Yes. So your level of reception is what causes the word to come the way it's supposed to come. If you are not interested, you have to do a lot of things. See a lot of things to try and see if you will be interested before we can see one small thing you are supposed to say. 
juicy. Yeah, it's not supposed to be like that. Yeah, look at it. Look, eleven twenty-seven. And it came to pass as he spake these things. A certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, "Blessed is the womb that bear thee, and the paps or breast which thou hast sucked." Hmm? Yeah, it's in the Bible. Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breast which nursed you. As he was preaching, someone stood up. He was, he was so excited. He said, "Ah, blessed! You are blessed." So receive the word of God with what interest, with eagerness. There are other scriptures I can show you, but that's not what I'm saying today. Okay? Okay, so let's go back to what we're saying. We're reading Ephesians chapter 2. We're in verse 6 now, isn't it? I want you to read it to me. One to go. Read it louder. And he raised us together. He raised us up together with him. If you understand this, it will change your life forever. He raised us up together. Meaning that you are not dead in sin anymore. You are now alive with him. And you are also seated together in heavenly places with him. Wow. Look at Colossians. Let's read Colossians chapter 2 from verse 9. Colossians 2 from verse 9. Let's read New King James so that everybody can read it. I want you to read it together, okay? And as you're reading it, I want you to look at it very well. This is why you came, okay? This is very important. This is why you came. Tell me, but this is why you came. And this is very important. Read it to me. One to go. Next verse. And you, who is the head of all principality and power. Next verse. In him, with a circumcision made with our hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12. Bury the him in which... Have you seen it? Read this verse again. One to go. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Verse 13. Being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Wow. He says he has made you alive. See, I'm alive in him. When Jesus rose from the dead, I rose from the dead with him. I'm alive with him. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So his resurrection was a resurrection. So it means that you are not supposed to die again. <laughs> it's difficult to believe. But one of the major things the resurrection does, Jesus' resurrection means for us. Remember, we said we are, we are one with him in his resurrection. I've showed it to you. Isn't it? Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Amplify. Colossians 3 verse 1. I'm showing you more scriptures. Can you, can you read this one to me? One, two, go. To a new life. That's sharing his resurrection from the dead. Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He says that if then you have been raised 
with Christ to a new life. Because you have been raised from the dead with Christ to a new life. The first thing that the resurrection does for us, our union with him in his resurrection, is that we get a new life. So you can write it down. New life in Christ. Right now, because you have you are risen with him, you are now a new creature. Why do we... You see, if heaven was God's ultimate, then when you get born again, you are supposed to be killed. Every preacher should have a gun or a cutlass. When you get born again, we chop off your head and you go to heaven. If that's what God is looking for alone, then we should be having cutlasses and bombs. As a preacher, give your life to Christ. Will you give your life to Christ? All right. After you give your life to Christ, two big men hold you and then we chop your head off. Bye-bye. Go to heaven. We'll see you in heaven later. That is not God's aim. God's aim is for you to grow in your consciousness of what has happened to you in Christ. That is why we keep coming to church. You keep coming to church so that you can hear, you can give, you can have the... You see, you may read your Bible and not see these things. Have you seen it? You may read your Bible for a very long time and you may not... You are reading it, but you are not understanding what's going on. When you come to church, God places someone in the church who has understanding and can help you to understand what you have been reading all these years. If you read in Acts chapter 8... Okay, verse 29, all the way to verse 35. A man called Philip, who was a preacher, met another man whose name was not mentioned. He was called the Ethiopian Enoch. That Ethiopian Enoch was reading the book of Isaiah. And as he was reading it, he did not understand anything. He couldn't, he didn't understand. He was reading, but he couldn't understand. That is the case of many people. You are reading that thing, but you know the Bible. You are reading that thing, but you are sleeping. Your, your Bible is... A sleeping tablet. As you are reading it, and Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that are weak. I am weak. Then you sleep. You don't understand how to put it together. And Philip rounded that to him. The Holy Ghost sent Philip to that man. 29. Go to 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot, to this chariot. The Holy Spirit, God told him to go and get near to that man. So God told me to start this church. There are other churches in the, in the city. There are so many churches in the city that I want to be part of. I want to be part of those churches. But God told me, start this. Do you think I like being a pastor? I like being whatever. It's not about what you like or don't like. It's about what God wants you to do. So God told me, start this. There are people who, who need to hear your voice. That's why I'm here. It's not because I want to become a pastor and when I say I'll take offering. What is offering? I don't need offering to be rich. Or you don't understand. I don't need your tithe to be rich. Oh, are you serious? Let's be serious. Let's be serious. We don't need your tithe to be rich. No. I've been to school. I did chemistry first degree. And I did an MBA as well. In whatever. Management and strategic management and management studies. I was interested in doing something with my life. Yes, something more. So that nobody will come and criticize me and say that you are spending church money. Because this is what people say when you are pastoring. Everything you have, they say you, you got it from the church. Meanwhile, it's not true. Do you see what I'm talking about? But it is my cross, so I'll bear it. And I'll do what God wants. God, this is what God told me. God told me, start this thing. A lot of people's lives will change. They will understand my word when you start it. That is why I'm here. Just like he told this guy to go near and join himself to this man's chariot. Next verse. 
and flipped round that to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? Then the guy got angry. How can I, how can I understand? Next verse. And he said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. How can I? Except some man should guide me. So God appoints men who will guide you to understand the scripture. And he desired Philip that he would come up to sit with him. He wanted Philip to, he told Philip, come and come and sit with me. That is why we came to invite you. We invited you. But after all the sudden, after the invitation, you must decide that I like this. I like this thing. I like this thing that this man is saying. And I want to be part of what is going on. I want to hear it well for myself and have understanding. If you don't come to that decision for yourself, we can't force you. After two months, you'll not be here. You'll be gone. And you'll be going through the wilderness once again. You open your Bible, you are sleeping. You say you're a Christian, but you're a bad, foolish, stupid Christian. Do you like what I'm saying? So those who brought you, those who are bringing you to church, they've had a certain kind of understanding. That is why. Did you start your life thinking that you'll be bringing people to church? Stand up. Not at all, daddy. Not at all. Are you paid for what you are doing? Oh, not at all. It's called understanding. He has understanding. Yeah. You can sit down. One young man died last year. You know what happened to him? He was just 28. I knew him at a point. Some of our pastors, he was in the same room with some of our pastors when they were students. You know, I think you, Pastor Elikem should know him because he was in the same room with Pastor Elikem. He was just moving around. Moving around, going, going. Then his kidneys, two kidneys failed without any reason. Just the two, the, both kidneys, normally one will fail and then you can have one for some time. But the two failed at once. Have you seen your kidneys before? Whether I've seen your kidneys or not, you have kidneys. His kidneys just failed. Like that. And he died after a month of gruesome pain. And he died. Now, this is the catch of the story. When he died at his funeral, there were people, plenty of people came for the funeral. And the parents were wondering, who are these people? Those were people he had imparted with the word of God. He was taking them to church. He bursting them to church. Taking them to the house of God and bringing them. You must be in the house of God. Doing all those things. After some two, three years of doing that, he died. Now, there's no car that you take to Asamayendo. You know Asamayendo? There's no car. You can't take one car to the grave. No matter who you are, you can't take one house to the, if your whole life is about looking for cars and looking for houses and looking for marriage and looking for children, then you are, there's something wrong with you. That's all your life is all about. You don't have understanding. You don't really understand what is happening. You are building sandcastles that the sea will come for after some few minutes. Busy building sandcastles. The earlier you have understanding concerning what God has said and save yourself and save others, the better. That is why we are doing what we are doing. That is why we built this thing here. That's why we are inviting you to stay and learn. He told him, how can I, except some man should guide me? And from that same scripture, he, he said, how can I? Next verse. The place of the scripture which he read was this. This was what he was, he was reading. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb down before his chair. So open him not his mouth. Next verse. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Next verse. And the Enoch answered answered Philip. So the Enoch was reading that. He answered Philip. Philip, I pray you, or I'm asking you, of whom speaketh the prophet? Who is he talking about? 
Is he speaking of himself or some other man? He was doing that, but we didn't understand. He didn't know what the prophet was saying. Was he talking about himself or was he talking about somebody else? That's what happens. Actually, reading the Bible, you realize that, ah, that is saying, they, sometimes you'll be reading the Bible and then you hear, and Jesus answered and said, who asked him a question for him to answer and say? Who asked him a question? You see, you don't understand that as you are talking to people, preaching to people, by the Holy Spirit, you can know what is on their heart. Like what I'm talking about right now. This is not my subject. I didn't prepare to say what I'm saying to you. But as I was talking, God told me that this is a question on someone's heart. So talk about this one. That is what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about. So even though you have not asked a question, I am answering and saying, do you get it? That's what, that was what Jesus was doing. The question on the people's hearts were answered without them having to ask. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. The same scripture he was reading was about Jesus, but he didn't know. He needed him to come and explain to him. And through explanation, he got an experience with God. He got born again. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was baptized. So, brothers and sisters, God is interested in your life. That is why we are talking to you. He doesn't want you to die like a chicken. Yeah. Because after all is said and done, death will come for you. And when death comes for you, what will you do? What is after this place? What is next? Do you live your life for yourself? Or you must live for someone who created you? If your phone is living for himself. Your phone is yours. When you say let's text, your phone says let's go to Facebook. What will you do? You throw that phone away and get a better phone. Is it true? I don't know how I got into this. But it's important. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. See, I'm alive with him. Believe it. Okay? You better believe it. You are aligned with him. That's what will put you over. You are aligned with him. Now, I was talking about what our union with him in resurrection does for us. Okay? Can I show it to you? The first thing I mentioned is that it makes you, it makes us alive with God. Right? We are now new. We have new life in Christ. Say new life in Christ. Say it like you mean it. Look at John chapter 12, verse 20 to 24. John 12, 20 to 24. Now among those who went, let's read NKJV. Lighter English, okay? Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Next verse. Then they said, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. They said, oh, we want to see Jesus. They were from Greece, and they had come to Jerusalem to come and worship. And they came to Philip because they knew Philip was close to Jesus and said, We want to see Jesus. Next verse. Philip came and told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus that, Oh, some people are from Greece who are looking for you. Next verse. But Jesus answered them, saying, The answer does not tally with the question. Some people are looking for you. Then you answer and say these things. Look at what he said. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Some people are looking for you. How does this answer that question? But it does answer the question. I'm going to explain to you, okay? Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. This is the answer of Jesus to them. Greeks had come to come and seek for him, and he said that, ah, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, 
it remains alone. If you have one corn in your hand, that corn will not be of use. But when you plant it, what happens? It grows. And when it grows, it becomes plenty corn, isn't it? So what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying that he was a grain of corn that was going to die. And when he dies, and he comes out of the, of the grave, he will come out not as the same corn that was planted, but as many corn everywhere in the world. Meaning that you don't need to come from Greece to come and see me after some time. When I die and I rise up again, in Greece you will have me there because I'll be in you. In Italy you will have me there because I'll be in you. In Ghana you will have me there because I'll be in you. You will have me everywhere. Perfect answer to that question. It was spending him that people had to travel to come and look for him because he was just one at one place. He was the only one who had the life of God. Jesus says, as the father has life in himself, so has he given to the son to have life in himself. People were coming to him because he was a, a fruit producer. He was bearing fruits. When he touches people, they are healed. When he says this should happen, it happens. He said, I say to, I'm a man under authority. I say to this one, go and he goes. And I say to this one, come and he come in. I know that you're also a man under authority. As you say, something will happen. Everybody was coming to him. He was just one. But then he said, I'm going to die. When I die, I'll come out of the grave. When I come out of the grave, I'll be many. I'll be many. If you plant corn, you have, you know, get that. You have plenty corn on the cob. Many cobs all over with plenty maize. So Jesus was talking about his death and what will happen in his resurrection. In his resurrection, he will be multiplied. In his resurrection, he will be in everyone. So right now that you are born again, if you become born again, he is in you and you are in him and you have his life. The life that he had that made him special. That made him different. Do you, be, do you agree that Jesus was special? Do you agree that Jesus was different? Jesus was very, very different. Why was he different? Because of the life that he had. Jesus said, as the Father has life in himself. There are different kinds of lives. There's a life of animals. Is it true? Even in the life of animals, there are different qualities. There are animals whose, life, whose lifespan is not above three years. A mosquito is just three days. So even though a mosquito is alive, it just has three days. His lifespan is just three days. But an elephant can go for years. An elephant can go for 64 years. 70 years. Yeah, they can go for 70 years. Lions can go for many, many years. So depending on the quality of life you have, you can live for a longer time. Dogs can't go beyond 20 years. They can't. No matter what they do, they can't go beyond 20 years. They will die before 20 years. So they are, even though there's the life of animals, there are different qualities. Okay? We are all human beings. Everybody is a human being in the world. But the quality of life is different. What a cat can do is different from what a lion can do. They may look alike. But a, a cat cannot hunt a buffalo. Isn't it? It will not even think about it. It's not part of his thoughts. Why? Because that is not the quality of life he has. In the same way, there's a quality of life that is in God. That makes God have a certain kind of ability to do certain things. For instance, that quality of life that God has makes him a success all the time. That quality of life that God has makes him stay in health all the time. That quality of life makes him wise all the time. God has never made a mistake. God never said, hey, I've made a mistake. I shouldn't have made Abraham give birth at 100. I should have made him give birth around 75. What is going to happen to Isaac? Nothing like that. Now, 
John 5, 26. Jesus said, for as the Father has life, the word life there is zoe. It's not the same word for life that we have everywhere else in the Bible. The normal word we have for life is suke. It means the natural, solical life. But Jesus used another word, zoe. He coined another word, zoe, which is the God kind of life. He says, as the Father has the God kind of life in himself, so has he given, granted the Son to have life in himself. That life is also called eternal life. So in chapter 24, go to chapter 24, John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says something. Most assuredly I say unto you, he who bears, who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, has what? He has what? He has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. So Jesus said that if you believe in me, you too, you will have that same life. That life that made him excellent and made him touch people for people to be healed. Maybe you are not into healing. But you need, your business needs to be healed. Your academics needs to be healed. You need healing in various aspects. Your own mind needs to be healed. Your finances certainly need to be healed. That healing ability is inside you because the same quality of life that Jesus had is the same life he has given to you. Yes, same life. Why? Because we have been made alive with him. Because you are made alive with him, we have the same life. We are raised to a new life with him. His resurrection, our union with him in his resurrection brings us a new life. Remember, he says that we are raised into new life, isn't it? He says we are raised into what? New life. If you remember, go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read verse 6. Amplify. Ephesians 2, 6. Go to um, 5 and let me see something. Yeah, let's read this one. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ. Have you seen it? He gave us what? That's the first thing you get. The The very life of Christ is what you get. He gave us the very life of Christ himself. The same new life with which he quickened him. Or made him alive. Have you seen it? Same life. So he gives you the same life. So now, you can't just die like that. Because Jesus didn't die like that. Jesus laid down his life. You too, when you're ready to lay down your life, then you lay down your life and you die. You can't just feel like that. You can't just be sick. Because that life does not... Did you ever see Jesus say, Ah, my head. Yeah, today, today my head has been aching me since morning. Ah, I can't even do anything. Ah. My stomach. My stomach. I've been running since morning. I've been, I'm still running. Jesus never had that. Wow. So if you have that as a child of God, does that mean? Something is wrong. You need to check something. You need to check what's going on. You need to strengthen your boots and your nuts. Hallelujah. See, I have a new life. In Christ. And it's that, that is what puts you over. Your consciousness of that life puts you over. It brings you into supernatural living and supernatural accomplishments every time. Yeah. Everything I touch shall be blessed. A lady sang a song. Sina sang a song. She said, I am blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, oh, I'm blessed. King shall come to my rising. I am what? Favored and grace. In all I do, I shall prosper. This is the mindset that God wants you to have. 
Why will you prosper in everything that you do? Because you have his life. So Jesus' life in, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was written for us to know how the life that we have works. So his life is a prototype of how this new life works. Because it's the first corn. And all of us come out of that corn. So he gives you that corn to show you how that corn functions. The fruitfulness of that corn. The faithfulness of that corn. The sinlessness of that corn. The beauty of that corn. The love of that corn. He shows you. So that you can have that life. Functioning in your life. What happens to us when we get born again? In John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world, that is why he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have what? As soon as you become born again, you become a possessor of eternal life. And the word eternal life is always the same thing. The same thing. The same life that Jesus had. The same life that the Father has is the same life that is given to you and I in our new birth. So in 1 John chapter 5 verse 9. Look at 1 John chapter 5 verse 9. You know this man called John here was boiled in hot oil. But he could not die. He was not dying. They tried to cut off his head with an axe. When they hit his head with the axe, the axe broke. And they went to bring another axe and hit his head again and he broke again. And he went for another one and hit his head again and he broke again. They tried to pierce him through with a sword. With a very big sword and javelins and all of that. They tried. And the sword would break. Everything was breaking. He was not dying. Ultimately, they decided to burn him alive. They set him ablaze. Put a lot of firewood around him. Set him ablaze. All the firewood finished. And he was told that he was not dying. Then they decided to boil him in oil. Hot oil. So they heated the oil up and threw him into the oil. All the oil evaporated. You know, oil's boiling point is very high. It takes a very long time before. That's why if oil touches your skin, it's, it's, it's hotter. If hot oil touches, it's very painful than hot, hot, hot water, isn't it? They put him in the boiling oil. All the oil evaporated. And he was still inside. He, was not, he couldn't die. Because this man, eh, this man called John, he had so contemplated and so thought about the life of God, the life that he had, so much that that life had permeated him. He couldn't die. He's the only one out of the other disciples that died a natural death. When he was tired, he said, I'm tired. Then he died. He died after 90. Yeah. So he wrote this to you and I. So that you can, you can have understanding concerning what has happened to you. Okay? Look at this. If you receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. What do you think? You receive the witness of men or the testimony of men. Sometimes you grow up up to a point and then your father will tell you, I'm not your father. I'm not your real father. Your real father is somewhere else. There's a young man sitting here. His, his father that he had known for years, last year or so, or two years or so, I don't know which, told him that I'm not your father. Your actual father is here. He, he, oh, he knew that that was his father. For many years. One of our ladies was traveling to America. She went to do DNA tests, paternity tests, because the father was... In America, when she did that paternity test, the father realized that she's not the child. Only the mother knew. And she was 25 years old. The man has been looking after her for 25 years. After 25 years, oh, come and stay with me in America. They went to do paternity tests. Where dodge? She did it at four different places. Same result. It is not your father. Hey. 
So the lady was growing up knowing that, oh, this is my father. She had been told that this is my father. He, she even looked like the man. She believed it because she was told. Everything you believe, everything you are today is because you were told. You see the way you sat on the chair with confidence. You didn't check if the chair would break before you sit on. Did you check before, the, before sitting? How many of you sat down like this? As we're sitting down, you check. Is that what you did? When you came, you just released your weight. Because you believe that the producer of the chair, thank you, you believe in his word that the chair will not break when you sit on it. So you release your weights. Bam! You believe in the word of men. You believe in it. Who told you your heart is here? And that the pumps in there. Who told you? Have you seen your heart before? Have you seen anybody's heart before? Apart from the doctors amongst us, most of us have never seen a heart. We've seen drawings. But we believe that all of our hearts is like that. And it is pumping in a certain way. Yeah. Why? Because a man said that you have a heart. And it is pumping inside. If it stops pumping, you are dead. You believe in the word of a, of a man. Is it true? You believe you are black because you've been told you are black. But look at your black check and look at your body. You realize that you are not black. Are you black? The guy is wearing a black shirt, but there's a difference between him and the shirt. Yeah. There's a difference between you and the shirt. There's a difference between your dress and your, 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 yourself. Is it true? You are brown, you are not black. But because you've been told you are black, 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 hey, I'm black. We start calling ourselves niggas. Charlie, the guy, if you be nigger, wow, then you're happy. <laughs> black is not good. You know black is not good. Black is not good. Black is meaningless. It's colorless. It's absence of light. Absence of good. Absence of beauty. We are not black. Tell anybody we are not black. But because you've been told, so we say we are black. You were told you are from, you are a Nigerian. You never know. Some, one day you may find out that you are actually a Ghanaian, but just that you were born in Nigeria and you, were, you stayed there for a long day, you, may, you never know what will happen in the future. Hey. So he says, if you receive the witness of men, if you receive the testimony of men, then the testimony of God is what? Is greater. What God says is bigger than what any man can say. If you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, then what he says is more important than what your boyfriend will say, or your girlfriend will say, or your mother or your father will say, or your worker, your, your employer will say. God's testimony and witness is greater. Then he says, for this is the witness of God. God has one testimony. God has one thing that he has said. And he says something about his son, Jesus Christ. And this is the testimony or the witness that he has testified of his son. Next verse. He who believes in the son of God has that same witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. Verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us what? Eternal life. And this life is in his son. He says God has. He's not going to. He has given you eternal life. Are you born again? If you are born again, then you are born unto a new life. What life is that? The same life of God. That makes him God. Is the same life that is inside you now. Because of what Jesus did. Because of Jesus' burial, death, burial, and resurrection. 
because of his resurrection, you are now one with him, even in his life. So we share his life. See, I share his life. Now, what does that mean for you? It means that you can never fail. It means that you can never be sick. Your, your kidneys cannot fail. Your heart cannot fail. So what do you do when it is failing? What do you do when it is failing? You will talk to it and tell it that, hey, this is not you. We don't fail. You are part of the body of Christ. My friend, come back alive. And you will come back alive. Nobody makes a car without spare parts. The one who made our body has spare parts. He has, God has a spare heart. He has spare, spare bottoms. He has spare. Hallelujah. Hey! Well, well, someone said, hey, if he has spare bottoms, then let me ask for more. What a shock. That life. So you should learn about the life of God. And know that you share in his life. Jesus knew everything. The Bible says he knew all things. Meaning that you can also know all things concerning your life. Yeah. If it's in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. You should read your Bible more. If you read your Bible more, you will know. 1 Corinthians 2, 11. It says, for what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of that man which is in him. So your spirit man knows everything concerning your life. Your spirit is the real you. He knows everything concerning you. He knows who you marry. He knows how many children you will have. He knows where you will end up in life. He knows what you are supposed to do. He knows everything. Why? Because he has a life of God in him. And because he has a life of God in him, he has a certain sense of eternity inside him. The Bible says that he has set eternity in our hearts. That's what the Bible says. Are you getting it? So I'll never be confused in my life. Not when I have the life of God. Jesus was never confused. There was not a day where Jesus said, Hey, Philip, what are we doing? The Bible says that they brought unto him, he asked, he himself asked them, there are so many people here, why are we going to get food for them to eat? Then Philip said, hey, there's, not, there's no food here. Even one whole year's wages of bread cannot feed these people. But the Bible says that Jesus himself knew what he would do. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He was not confused. He asked them, does anybody have bread here? They said, oh, there's a little boy who, whose lunch is here. Five, uh, five loaves of bread and two fishes. He said, bring it. Then he blessed it and broke it. When he broke it, when he breaks it and he gives it to them, the loaf becomes big again. Then he break it again. He broke it from his hand and gave it to them. And they gave it out like that. And he never stopped until everybody had eaten. And when they ate, there were so many baskets left. He knew what to do. So if you are born again and you are a child of God, and you know and identify with the fact that you are one with him, with him in resurrection and that you share in his life, you will never be confused. You never be confused. You never say, oh, I have, there are four guys who are, who are asking me out. Pastor, I don't know which one to choose. You will know who to choose. Yeah, you will know exactly who to choose. You will not be confused. You will not be confused. All you need to do is to speak in the language of the Spirit and talk to the Lord. What do I do? What do I do? That life will direct you, to guide you and show you. You will not say, oh, I don't know. There are three jobs that are waiting for me to, uh, to employ me. I don't know which one to choose. There was one man who left his job and went to a better paying job. They were paying him 2000 He went to this one that was paying 3800 He didn't know that the company was in debt. They were going to close up in, a, in, in two months. He collected two months' pay and after that, the company collapsed. And he lost his job. If he had allowed the life of God to guide him, if he had allowed the spirit to guide him, he would not have fallen into that trouble, isn't it? A young man is proposing to you, oh baby, I love you. 
When I see you, then my heart is beating. Take my heart and I'll run on batteries. Take my heart and I'll run on solar panels. Baby, I love you. Without you, I cannot live. He's lying to you. If you like that and see you, you'll be surprised that he can live without you. Marriage is such that you don't know what will happen in two years. You don't know what will happen in three years. So we marry by faith and we marry by the Lord, the living of the Lord. Someone may marry you and be the one who will kill you. But you have a beautiful wedding. Nice wedding. You'll be wearing Louis Vuitton suits. And she'll be wearing, what are the new the wedding gowns? Who are the designers? Vera One. Vera One. Yeah, I know Vera One. She'll be wearing a Vera One uh, wedding dress. Yeah. With bone straight, of course. With bone straight, of course. But actually, you are exchanging vows with your killer. He's putting the ring on you. Yeah. As I put this ring on you, then you say, as I put this ring on you, I do wear it. I do lawfully wear it. I give it as a token of my love. I give it as a token of my love. My sweet, exciting, beautiful, joyful love. My sweet, exciting, beautiful, joyful love. You don't know that that is actually your killer. If you are dependent on the life of God in you to direct you to know that, Charlie, this proposal is the proposal to death. Let me separate myself. He sets eternity in your heart. That's what, the, that's what the life of God does for you. It shows you the future. It shows you, it shows you things to come. It directs you. You don't make unnecessary mistakes. You don't get into unnecessary things. One pastor married, you, you heard it last year. There was a pastor in America who got married to this beautiful young lady. And he shot her seven times. Yes, he shot her seven times and killed her. When you look at their wedding, they showed their wedding later on. Beautiful wedding. He didn't, she didn't know that she was marrying her killer. And he didn't know that he was marrying somebody who caused him to kill her, kill her and be imprisoned for the rest of his life. Because of lack of direction. Even if you're a pastor and you don't know about the life of God and you don't take advantage of it, forget it. It's not your position in church that makes anything. Even Judas was in the house of God. He was the treasurer, yet he, he's in hell now. There are people who are sure are in hell. One of them is a church father, Judas. He was an apostle. Jesus chose him. So don't say, well, I'm a pastor. So because I'm a pastor, I'm a leader. Because I'm a leader, everything is fine. No, if you don't depend on that life, if you don't live from that life, you will not have victory. You will not live the way God wants you to live. You will always be scrambling for the leftovers. Your prosperity will not come as it's supposed to. Are you seeing it? Yeah. For what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of that man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God, except the spirit of God. Amazingly, when he gave us that life, he gave us the Holy Ghost as well. Meaning that we can now have access to the things of God as well. Brother, you are special. Sister, you are special. The life will lead you to show that this friend will take you, he will take you to hell. You will just know that this friend will take me to hell. Yeah. You will just know that this friend is going to be a problem. He will, he will show you where to, where to go, where not to go. Distance yourself from certain people and get closer to other people. He will show you. Hallelujah. So that's one of the things that the resurrection gives to us. It brings us into union with him in his life. And we share his life. The next thing that our union with him in resurrection gives to us is victory over death and the fear of death. And victory over the children of death. Death has children. Okay? 
our union with him in his resurrection gives us victory over death and over the fear of death. Wow. This is an interesting one because people say that you don't know when you're going to die. It's true for some people, but it's not true for some people. Hallelujah. It's true for some people, but it's not true for some people. Actually, you don't even need to die. So, resurrection means that which has come out of death and is unscathed or untainted by death. You get it? If you leave university and you collect your, your, your certificate, does the university have a hold on you? Can they say, come back? You, did, you didn't do these three courses. Come and write these three courses. Can they do that? You, they, you can't do that. If you leave secondary school, can your house master call you and say, come back? It's life's house. Come back and come and sleep in the... In the <laughs> can your house master do that? Why can't you do that? Because you are done. You have left secondary school, isn't it? Resurrection means leaving something called death. Death does not have a hold on you anymore. Resurrection is that which is born out of death. It came out of death. And so it is not scat untainted by death. So if you read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, because 2 Timothy 2, 9, all the way to verse 11. Keep your finger here. Okay, go to John, John chapter 11, verse 23. Let me read the one in John and I'll come back to this one. John eleven twenty three. 23. This is a story concerning uh, a man called Lazarus and his death. And Jesus bring him back to death. Jesus said something to one of his sisters. And I want you to look at it, okay? Before he died. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Okay? One of the things that Jesus' resurrection gives us is the assurance of the resurrection of our body. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. So he says, if you believe in me, I am the resurrection and I am the life. If you believe in me and you should die, you will live forever. Next verse. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he asked her, do you believe this? I'm asking you, do you believe this? He says the one, I'm not the one who said it. Jesus is the one who said it. He says, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Yvonne, what do you think? He shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that you don't have to die? Hey. Now go to the one in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1, verse 9. He says, he's talking about God, okay? Let's read from verse 8 so that we understand it. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our, of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us, next verse, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own power and grace, which was given to us in Christ, he says, before time began, next verse, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who has what? Who has? Who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel? He has abolished death. Do you understand abolishing? What does abolishing mean? The lawyers. What does abolishing mean? Taking away. What else? Abolish. Anyone with a dictionary to help us. To abolish. When we say a law has been abolished, what does it mean? 
It means it has been suspended. Isn't it? It has been suspended. It is of no effect now. He says Jesus has abolished death and has brought something called life and immortality. Immortality means living without dying. Man has always wanted to be immortal. That is why we have created Superman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Thor, Batman, Ant-Man, all the mans you can think about. We want to be able to fly, Captain America. We want to be able to be like steel. Nothing can affect us. We can go from one galaxy to another. That's why we have Wonder Woman and uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, all those things are attempts by man to portray his desire of immortality. It is fulfilled in Christ. <laughs> yeah, it is fulfilled in Christ. Jesus has it. And they have left him. And they are looking for superman. But they don't exist. It's all in Christ. Hallelujah. So he has abolished death and has brought immortality. You can live and live until you are tired. And you check out of the soul. Enoch didn't die. Enoch lived and stepped into eternity. You can also step into eternity. Those who believe this are those who be raptured. The raptured ones are those who believe in immortality. They wouldn't have to die. This body would not have to die. They can just step into eternity. But maybe you don't believe that. So you let me talk about the fear of death. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 12. To 14. He says, in as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. He's talking about us. He says, in as much as we are flesh and blood, Jesus himself also likewise shared in the same flesh and blood. So that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. He says, through his death, he destroyed the one who had the power of death, which is the devil. Next verse. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. No, they are those who are afraid of dying. I don't know what will happen. Maybe I'll just die. Something will happen. I'll just die. Maybe when I sleep, I'll not wake up. They have insomnia. Their heart beats fast. Maybe I'll die. Maybe something will happen to me and I'll die. Maybe as I'm traveling on VIP bus, I'll die. Like the 16 people died recently. You know the recent bus crash? Two VIP buses crashed together like this. Amazing. And 16 people's head, I mean, people's head, everything gone off. This was just two days ago or so. So you're afraid. When you sit on a plane, you chalk yourself in the plane like this. Once the plane lands, you are not landing. You have so many fears. Fear of heights. Fear of women. Yeah, you can't propose to a lady because you're afraid. Fear of weights. Fear of not being accepted. You feel your breasts are not so big. It should be bigger. Your bottoms are not so big. It should be bigger. So you keep exercising. Hey! You have so many fears. Including the fear of death. You are afraid. What if I should die? What if something happens and I die? What if I get a sickness and I die? The Bible says Jesus died so that he might deliver you. He might release. The word release is actually deliver. King James will say, look at King James. And deliver, isn't it? So your deliverance has come today. He says, and deliver. He died and took the power of death from the one who 
owned it. That was the devil. And now he, the Bible says Jesus has the keys of hell and death. Revelation chapter 1 verse 14. He has the keys of hell and death now. So he has the keys of death. And he has the keys of Revelation 1. He, his head and his hair were white like who? And as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. Next verse. Verse 15. Next verse. Verse 16. And he had his right hand, seven stars. Verse 17. Verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. This is Jesus talking. He says, I have the keys of what? Hell and of death. He has the keys of hell and of death. Meaning that you don't have to die like a chicken. Tell anybody you will not die like a chicken. In Psalm 91, the last verse of Psalm 91, it says that he will satisfy you with long life. He will satisfy you with long life. So you'll be satisfied with long life. COVID will not kill you. He says, with long life will I satisfy him. See, I'm not dying. With long life, he satisfies me. And he shall show me his salvation. Yeah. So don't be afraid. Tell me, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are one with him in resurrection. What it means is that. Tell me, but what it means is that. You are out of death. And death has no hold on you. The children of death are sickness, weakness, disease, failure, poverty. These are all children of death. You have come out of death. Therefore, none of these things has a hold on you. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The way to enjoy what God has made available for you is through your faith. Yeah. Agree with what he has said. Agree with what he has said. If you did not agree with the one who to church, you will not be here. You would have been home. You have to agree. In the same way, you need to agree with God concerning what he has done for you. And flow with what he has done for you. The way to come out of poverty sickness, weakness and disease and death is by agreeing with God that he has taken you out because that's what he has done he has taken you out that's all you need to do to agree with him Lord I agree with you whenever it comes to your mind that hey you will never be rich in your life you always be poor remember Lord I agree with you you took me out of poverty when I got born again through your death, burial and resurrection I came out of poverty I came out of weakness I came out of sickness therefore sickness, weakness disease, failure and poverty does not have a hold on me anymore all death and all of his children has no impact on me. I've come out of death and I'm unscathed and untainted by it in any way, in any form. And you will have your victory. See, I will have my victory all the days of my life. I'm going forward. I'm advancing and I'm going higher and higher in Jesus' name. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.